0: they can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 28th of February 2013. Newcomers, as always, help yourself to the audios at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can also get print-ups, too, if you go into that site, print-ups for in English, and all the sites listed. Plus, if you go into Sentinel, EU, you can get transcripts for print up in other languages. So there's audios and print-ups uh, available there, too. Number 2 you are the audience to bring me to you, and it's up to you if you want to keep me going or not, because uh, times are awfully hard, as we all know that. In fact, businesses are falling all over the place, big corporations, too. Big corporate businesses and shops and so on are just closing down in all countries right now. But uh, it's inflation. Of course, it's inflation. They're always devaluing the currency. They have been for your whole life and long before you were born, actually. It's built into the system. And um, for those who want to keep this particular uh, broadcast going, uh, they can certainly help me tick along, too. And um, you can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughMetrics.com, or you could donate. And remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders. And it doesn't matter how much, either. And he's saying cash, or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Because, they I say, things are getting tight, too, and my expenses are going up all the time, too. Plus, I'm fighting uh, with ExplorerNet right now, the satellites I'm using here, because they tend to try and go after you every two years or so to make you upgrade. They tell you your stuff's not working so they can sell you new new gear. It's a standard with ExplorerNet, And I've been going through that for two weeks now, two weeks solid. That's why I've been late getting the stuff up. I'd get internet or they cut me off altogether. So, uh, as I say, it's, it's their sales pitch. They just switch, switch you off at the other end, of course. And uh, and then they make you jump through hoops at your end thinking it's your your equipment. It's not my equipment at all. It's all tested. So it's the, that's how they're doing it. Explore net. But this is a standard after sales market stuff they go through. They sell about a thousand dollars to each person per time the guy comes out to put anything in. Anyway. And I could use your help too to keep going. As I say too, what I do here on this broadcast is go through the system, the real system you're living in. Without the hoopla, and without the circus, you see, I don't believe in circuses. I just give you the plain truth as it's it happens. It logic, logic and reason. And I go through the history of the system you're born into and how it was set up, who set it up, the organizations they control, which is worldwide. The very fact that one organisation has been responsible for putting in governments uh, for the last hundred years—the prime ministers and presidents all belong to this one organisation—and their own personal historian, a professor, uh, talked about it in one of his books. So uh, you're living through an agenda, like a big long-term business plan, in fact. And even, though, especially, I should say, even wars are definitely planned way ahead. It takes a lot of work to get wars on the go and logistics and everything else all set up long before they actually go into battle and take over countries in order to loot them. And they even have to spend years just getting the propaganda departments and spins all worked out with all the, their handouts that they'll eventually hand out to the press to, to download onto to you. That's the real world that you live in. And the system they're going through right, right now is a transitory system. This is the century of change. That's why uh, Obama kept saying a change was good. And academia was using that term uh, last century because they knew the 21st century coming up, which we're in now, of course, is the, the century of change. When the big long-term agenda was to be fulfilled, man was to be completely retrained, and the lower types, the excess population types that don't need any more if no industry for you, uh, are to die off through sterility uh, and simply not having children and so on. It's all working to plan as we go along. And also, too, they're planning for the big collapse because uh, the bank collapses are planned ahead, long ahead. Too, we ahead in advance to bring in austerity and to get you used to consuming less, because you see, they don't need you so much anymore. There's up-and-coming countries where they can sell all their products to down the roads. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and, and talking about low-level reality. That's the general reality of most people. It's low-level reality. There's many higher levels above this, and I've, I've always mentioned before in previous talks there's about three levels of all sciences. And the ones at the bottom level, the university level, uh, dealt with by professors and so on, that's a bottom level of reality, which they really truly believe is the, is the only one there is. Above them is another one, too, mainly into the weapons industry and various other uh, gadgets and gizmos that the CIA use in certain levels. And not all the CIA, of course, certain uh, levels within the compartmentalized system. And then above them uh, is the real ones at the very, very top. The the latest weaponry and so on is never given out uh, to the public. Even the knowledge of it is never given out to the public. So whenever we're told about something... He guarantees about 20, 25 years, 30 years old minimum. And uh, this case in point is to do with uh, Mail Online, like it's an exclusive story, right? And and it says, scientists have developed a, a crude form of telepathy in animals by enabling a pair of rats to pass instructions using only their mind. Using microchips implanted in their brains to communicate, the rats were able to collaborate and solve simple puzzles, even though in one experiment they were thousands of miles apart. Researchers claim this is the first example of a brain-to-brain interface, uh, raising the prospect that one day animals and humans could be able to reach each other's minds. I mean, it's it's all about humans, folks. I mean, forget this mice and and rat stuff. Uh, This is what they test them on, the lower level, because it's all been done before. And it says here, and, and there's a, a telling part in this too. It says, a team from Duke University in North Carolina said, as far as we can tell, these findings demonstrate for the first time. And that's the telling part right there. That is right, a direct channel for behavioral information exchange can be established between two animals' brains without the use of the animal's regular forms of communication. And that goes into the different researchers and so on and so on, and how they, they work to it. But you have to go way back, and I've mentioned uh, Joseph Delgado many times before, this video is up on YouTube, you can do a search, and he was implanting them in animals, but he's also implanting them in people too, if you go into his story, and he worked for the FBI and uh, Department of Defense and the CIA, this guy, and he doing this stuff back in the 70s and 80s. And also back in the 70s uh, in Sweden, they were using prisoners, volunteer prisoners, uh, for For direct uh, brain to computer interface projects, the first test they 'd be wired right in no doubt it wouldn 't be wireless but they 'd be wired right in and but so was the u s doing the same thing as well so here 's these guys many years later starting from scratch, and it 's exclusive like it 's just happening now everything everything that you, you get given to you by the mainstream is 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 antique it 's actually antique. And the ones at the top are way ahead of what they're, they're allowing out now, way ahead of what, the, what this is about rats and so on. Emerson's anyway, lead researcher, Miguel Nicolilis, pioneer of research in a brain-computer interface, said the study was the first step towards the linking of multiple minds to form an organic computer or brain net that would allow sharing of information amongst groups of animals. Because it's so important to get groups of animals to share their thoughts with each other, right? Isn't it? <laughs> It's nothing to do with animals. And it, it, it reminds me too of H.G. Wells' World Brain, the system that can link the whole world up together, or going into Professor Persinger, who does these kind of experiments in the field of Wi-Fi, where we'll all be linked together, we'll know each other's pains and emotions, someone in Africa is hungry, you'll feel it over in America or Canada, and all that kind of stuff. This is all to bring in perfect peace in society. I always remember what the communists said about um, peace when they defined what peace meant. Because uh, very few folk, I ask them, most folk think, well, we you what they're saying, they ask me what I think it means. Peace was defined as the absence of all opposition. And they claim that the top, of course, is too many people, uh, that the people will never get on with each other, yada yadda, yad, and we've got to control them all. So this is uh, ideal. And it's also this article itself, too. Um, you're going to see it... Come out in children in your lifetime when they put it into, into the brains of children who'll actually want it because they'll start putting lots of more of this stuff into the movies. You see. And children love fantasy, they think it's reality. They wouldn't have superpowers and all that. But it says, we can't even predict what kind of emergent properties would appear when animals begin interacting as part of a brain net. In theory, you could imagine that a combination of brains could provide solutions that individual brains cannot achieve by themselves. He said it could even lead to one animal incorporating another's sense of self. Although there are fears it could result in the development of mind control. Well, that's the whole point of it, is mind control. That's the whole p- Who's funding all this stuff? Mind control. Remember, at uh, the the Loya University, Loya, uh, back in 2000, I think it was 2001, they have meetings every year, and Newt Gingrich at that that time led some world science meeting there, and he kicked it off by introducing the top speakers. And One of them was a professor from Japan who stated at the time, by the way, uh, that uh, they have chips ready to be implanted in the human population, and he said what, what they would achieve and so on, he said eventually the people uh, would, would no longer see themselves as individuals it would be impossible to distinguish yourself as a, a separate individual with your own thoughts, you would hear the whispers of other people's thoughts going to the central computers or regional computers and back again uh, along with your own now that ties in with that when, when all these animals are they're all like a collective here Someone else is literally pulling the strings, and uh, that's what they want to do with humans. Understand? And they've had these meetings ever since that one at, at uh, Loyola. They said they had the chips ready, but the only problem they have now is convincing the public step by step to take them. So they, they give you trashy articles like this, like it's just this is the stage they're at, which is rubbish, obsolete. And uh, everything's, everything you can think of That, that could possibly be done Has already been done It's already been done And also too Necrophilia, i mentioned that a lot of times Because out of the Frankfurt School Theo Adorno, uh, who also said that all humanity was sick Except one group uh, And it all have to be altered Because they were all psychotic If they didn't like something, then they were psychotic And it all had to be treated or altered he said it was to destroy all their cultures and he mentioned all the list of the things that have actually happened since it's all happened destroy all the cultures until nothing stands together in in a complete comprehensive fashion of structure it all falls apart and that's what we're living in today families fall apart communities are at war with each other sometimes it's gangs all over the place and, um, and even, even you've even got gangs of cops in the U.S. It, we know that from various reports when they get found out. Anyway, the fact is, everything that Adorno mentioned has happened. They even mentioned bringing the, the public down to such a based state of beyond sexuality, sero-masochism, into necrophilia. And, of course, cannibalism has become all-the-rage, apparently, in the media. And it says, America's cannibal cop had a British mentor, the court hears. The New York police officer accused of conspiring to kill and eat up to 100 women was in contact with a man in Britain who appeared to be instructing him in how to be a cannibal. You, know, you don't see that on TV, this new chef stuff. You know, they don't have that on. Gilberto Valley, 28, America's so-called cannibal cop, exchanged emails. Instant message with someone in the UK who used the screen moniker Moody Blues and an email address containing the name Meat Market Man. A, grisly, a series of grisly communications between the two were read to a court in Manhattan in which Moody Blues claimed to have eaten a five-year-old child. Some of the passages described uh, cooking and eating women. In one uh, email, Val told Moody Blues a softball player he knew was the most desirable piece of meat I've ever met, and that he planned to follow her home. Now, I know the price of meat's going up, certainly, but this is a bit much. It says, Moody Blues had then suggested knocking her out with a baseball bat for poetic justice. At one point, Valley said he wanted to be the British man's assistant and asked him for expert advice on eating human flesh, asking, out of curiosity, are feet edible? And the correspondent replied, yes, pretty much everything is. But it turns out anyway that they found the person in Britain, who I think, I think is a male nurse who's married anyway, and he and his wife deal with uh, children uh and people who live in special homes for homes for, for people with disabilities and things like that. There's another other article on that, but it just shows you how society is going the right way. I mean, the whole thing with the Frankfurt School was to take account of how a culture is strong, because cultures outside this person's own culture, they said were their enemies, and they'd have to completely destroy the cultures, completely destroy. The cultures, and that's where we are today. It's been, it's happened. Now, Jimmy Savile, of course, uh, was well protected by bigwigs, and we'll they'll never get the names of them because it's too important. There are too many up there in the House of Lords and all that, and too many sirs involved. Uh, but it says here that um, his breakfast club, as they called it in the morning, its police friends face new questions because they protected them too from inquiries. West Yorkshire Police has launched an inquiry into social visits by on-duty officers to weekly tea parties held at Jimmy Savile's penthouse flat. The force is questioning members of the disgraced late entertainers' dinner circle over the so-called Friday Morning Club. Although Savile was open about his friendships with officers, the force said in October last year it has got no information on their participation in gathering at Savile's flat in Roundhay Park Leeds. At the time, a spokesman said officers were free to do uh, what they wished when off-duty. The force has now confirmed, however, that officers regularly attended when on duty after being encouraged to interact more with the community. So so they go to him, like he's the community, right? What did, did Savile offer the folk? We, we know what Savile offered the folk. He was a getter, he was a fixer. As spokesman said, there was no evidence of wrongdoing, but added, we're now carrying out further inquiries to obtain a better understanding of the circumstances surrounding the contact between West Yorkshire police officers and Savile at the so-called Friday Morning Breakfast Club. By the way, a lot of the people who came forward to complain about Saviles attacking them or raping them were, were actually uh, given visits by the police in the early days and told to leave it alone, even threatening stuff. That came out in the papers before, too. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and talking about the system that we're in. Now, when every country goes down the tubes, you see all the signs that come in play by government. They pass different laws to allow certain things that were forbidden before as you go down the tubes. Because this is a time of plunder. There's also a big step, stage of plunder by everyone at the top before it goes down the tubes into the next stage. It's not the end of everything, it's just it goes into the next stage. A new system, which is already drafted up and so on, a new way of living. Many articles out there about it. This is a transition, age of transition. Anyway, you, gambling is one of them, and it says Christie signs New Jersey's internet gambling bill into law. And next to that one too, but another one is Vermont makes progress in new gambling law. So, th- this is going to be the big thing, is, is, is the poor folk again, who are all broke, uh, and, and trying to get, pay their rents, sort or of, everything's increasing, their mortgages, everything's going up. Uh, they'll go there hoping, just like a scratch and win, hoping to win, and of course they lose everything, and it causes more problems. But it's not the government's problems because those folk end up in the street; it's their problem. So it's just a sign of the times, as I say. Now the green lobby too—we know about the massive campaigning with the, the incredible amounts of money they get in from the big foundations that own them, basically, because they're all fronts, you understand, for other reasons. Their, their, their reason is to get new laws in to control every single person's life. Across the whole world, basically. That's what it's for, from birth to death. Total control, the authoritarian society, the Club of Rome idea, uh, post-democratic, and so on. Uh, into gen 21, and your new commissariats will be, um, or commissioners, that will be dealing with you in your little commu- community area, unelected people that are appointed. This is a new up- upgraded Soviet system. And that's what the Green Lobby is all about. Nothing to do with saving the planet and, and all that stuff and the global warming and hype. As like I said before, the, the Club of Rome came up with that idea. They were tasked with finding something to unite the planet, to give up and share the wealth and all that, redistribution of wealth, according to Karl Marx. And so this is the way that they, they hit on it. We hit on the global warming, famine, drought and so on, that would fit the bill. And here we are with it. So they're losing public, uh, uh, the public don't believe so much in it anymore. You see, even with the massive campaigns and billions of dollars spent on advertising and documentaries to brainwash them, and lots of fear-mongering, most people no longer consider global warming a serious issue in a recession. It says, concerns about the environment have reached a two-decade low since the start of the financial crisis, a global survey has revealed. Fewer people now consider pollution, species loss and freshwater shortages to be very serious problems that at any time since tracking began 20 years ago. And the fears over global warming are far lower than they were between 2003 and 2008, with less than one person and two regarding it as very serious. I think it's a lot less than that, actually. It's a lot less than that. And, uh, and um, of course, all the activists are upset about it after all their hard work and propaganda. His concern about air and water pollution as well as biodiversity is significantly below where it was even in the 90s. Uh, found the poll of more than 22,000 people in 22 countries. When the sharpest falls have taken place in the past two years as increased fears of economic meltdown pushed worries of man-made environmental catastrophe. They don't want to say global warming, right? And uh, from the public consciousness because in the States, the 650 records have been broken this winter. This was snowfalls and cold. Same in Canada, I think too. So climate concerns dropped first in industrialized countries because we're the first ones to get hit with well higher fees and all that. But this year's figures show that concerns now fall in major developing economies such as Brazil and China as well. The findings are drawn from the GLOBE scan radar annual tracking poll. And uh, it gives you all the data on that too. And then all the fear-mongering guys are at the bottom of this article here. Like David Nussbaum, head of environmental pressure group WWF. UK told Independent, political leadership was required to maintain the fight against climate change. Well, isn't that kind of crazy? Fighting climate ch- cl- change, it's always been changing. We didn't have to fight it before. It'll go whichever way it wants to go. As I read from that Moncton article yesterday, which I might probably up again tonight. So That's if they keep me on the internet here and don't bump me off again they're always fear and vastly overstating their claims because they say that they fear they need the public to be afraid to get them to act now Mexico is a basket case it's always been a basket case because it's like Africa corruption is normal there and they don't see it as being abnormal in, in, in Mexico if a cop stops you down there you pull up the, your, your wallet and, you, and, and there's a cash and he, he takes it and away he goes and away you go and that's how his business is done in Mexico. It's always been that way. And it, it's a normal way down there. But since Mexico, drug violence turns churches into fortresses. And the violence in northern Mexico has forced residents to take extraordinary steps to ensure their safety following several years of a deadly conflict between the Mexican government, security forces, and various drug cartels. For example, to the west of Monterrey, in the state of Nueva Leon, a Catholic priest has enclosed the parish church with fortress-like reinforced concrete walls, and armour plating over windows to pr- protect his parishioners. Reverend Scott Michael McDermott uh, Eichhorst built 20-foot walls around the parish church of St. Teresa of Avila in Colonia, uh, Mirasol, and also pays for nine armed guards to patrol the church perimeter 24 hours a day. Violent clashes and the loss of instant life prompted the Catholic priest to take action. According to a report by the FIDES, that's FIDES News Service, Uh, Eichhorst said one of these clashes lasted about 40 minutes It was chaos, I think people didn't know what was happening So for this reason, to immediately warn the faithful of what happens outside We place two traffic lights in the church Red indicates clashes, deaths or mobilization of armed police Yellow suspicious vehicles or armed police outside the church And green means go ahead and that the road is safe Quite something, eh? Quite something But we're all the same, you know We're all the same across the world. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, talking about the system we're living in, and what a system it is, isn't it really? We live at, as I say, the bottom level of reality, and there's different realities above us, of course. And, and the media's job is to throw out the trash too, us, just like droppings, you know, left over. And it's, it's enough, mind you, to all chatting about it and so on, unless you look behind it and see what's up. But it says, Mexico's most powerful woman, the most powerful woman in Mexico, right, was formally charged with a massive embezzlement scheme on Wednesday, standing grim-faced behind bars live on national television, which many call a clear message that the new government is asserting its authority. The country watched rapt as a national teacher's union head. This is the most powerful person in the country. National teacher's union head, Elba Esther Gordillo, heard the charges against her read by a judge in a grim prison in eastern Mexico City. Mrs. Gerdil was charged with embezzling 2 billion pesos, about $160 million from union funds, and was arrested Tuesday afternoon as she returned from San Diego for a meeting of leaders of the 1.5 million member National Union of Education and Workers she's led for nearly a quarter century. She was heading the union's fight with President Enrique Pina Nieto's administration over the country's most sweeping educational reform in more than 70 years and her desk her a day after the president signed their form into law. And um but my God, I mean this is pretty standard down there. Pretty standard. I mean it's just it's always been the history of Mexico. Uh but uh, that's going that's her you know, at least up there. You no know, where she is off with, she might very well do. It's also who you know, you know. It's also, also who you know. It's very important that And also too, talking about some. Um, The BBC, as I say, the BBC is just an incredible system, and I think I mentioned it the other day, there too, about their sadistic sexual violence system or story that came out about uh, they got all these complaints, 632 complaints, where they had some woman uh, warden or something with a truncheon in in a prisoner uh, in a jail. This, This is a drama, and they claimed, of course, that those who were Watching the whole seas would not be shocked, I meaning you get degraded as you watch. You adapt, you understand, into degradation as you watch. So folk who didn't watch it before and saw the end of it, thinking it was 10 o'clock news, were shocked. Just shows you how slick they are in degrading us all, you know. I mean, as I said, one of the first articles I read here was about cannibalism now. I mean, everything is sadomasochism, understand? And then you read this one, The Web Porn Boy. At 15 years old, rapes a schoolgirl. Lots of these articles. About I read one a few months ago too. But he, this guy was into porn. It said, a boy of 15 brutally raped a schoolgirl after spending hours every day trolling hardcore porn websites. He and her friend tied up the 14-year-old girl, threatened her with knives, and put a plastic bag over her head before raping her. The battered, bruised victim had to bite through the bag to breeze, and has been left psychologically scarred. Judge Simon born and said, I have no doubt the trigger for this offence was a children's wish for experimentation following visits to internet pornography. He told the boy the full horror of what you did only can, she can know. Relatives of the girl Andrea, rape, yesterday, called on the government to stop kids being able to access online porn. They won't do that, folks, because, you see, when they came out with a the computer... They, remember, this computer has got a whole big business to, it, to achieve, a goal to achieve, and that's to get you all on it forever. So your governments can then talk down to you. I've already mentioned the articles where government wants to be able to go into everybody's computer and, can, and talk right to you. You see? And it's also to monitor everything that you do and say and tweet and all the rest of it. It's, it's for their big boys. Your controllers, your owners, in other words, it's for your owners to have. And so they made sure at the very beginning, as all you people knew about it, there's lots of pornography. Who told you? The mainstream media. Not a week went by. Oh, lots of pornography on the Internet. To make sure folk would go into it. And the children, too. So they go into it, and then they try and reenact what they're seeing on the porn sites. And it so, says, so now the parents are saying to you, "You should stop giving them access to online porn." Well, maybe the online porn shouldn't be there, huh? Hmm. But mind you, too, as I say from the last article too, the BBC uh, Silent Witness series they call it with the the, the complaints about, so uh, the, the, the woman with the with the truncheon and all the rest of it, beating up a prisoner in certain spots that kind of fitted the baton. But the thing is, I mean, it's it's getting into mainstream too, you understand. The society adapts and becomes more depraved. There's no end to it, you know. And that's the point of it, that's the purpose of it. Now, again, you always see too, I mentioned this before, the group that tried to, to alter the culture before even the Frankfurt School got on the go, uh, 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 the predecessors of them, same guys in the same kind of club, you might say, but they um, they brought out what is called the Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties brought in the miniskirt for the first time. It wasn't the 60s, it was in the 20s, and the Charleston dance, the Charleston skirt, and so on. But they also brought in cocaine with it. If you read your history, and they also brought in prohibition to make booze cans exciting for youngsters. Oh, it's forbidden! I'll go there. That's how it works. Never mind it. We have the Brahmins and other ones to get awfully, awfully stinking rich. Since they prepared for about twenty years for upcoming prohibition before it was passed, how did they know it was going to get passed? <laughs> anyway, uh, part of the fallout didn't destroy society totally then at that, that time because it was with promiscuity and so on, and booze and cocaine. Part of, the, part of it was because they got venereal diseases and they couldn't treat it then. Didn't have the penicillins. They also had lots of pregnant girls. And abortion wasn't free in those days. And, um, and orphanages couldn't handle all the excess fallout from it too. But there was a massive uh, increase in gonorrhea and syphilis and so on. Uh, here's this article today. It says cases of untreatable gonorrhea soared by 25% in a year. Getting back to what I was just saying though, they brought back the rolling 20s in the 1960s again with them in a skirt. Same things, drugs again. Uh, and um, and just do it Have free, free love they called it have to, Just have sex with anybody And then of course That's when all the VD clinics just blossomed Because of all the lineups coming in With gonorrhea and syphilis and everything else So And the pill Brought the pill in at the same time too To stop the, the, the churn you see. So now you've got untreatable gonorrhea And it by 25% in a year And 21,000 cases of gonorrhea were diagnosed in 2011. This is just in Britain. And uh, this is more than 20,000 new cases of the sexually transmitted infection were diagnosed. The spike has led to the launch of a new campaign to tackle the growing threat in England and Wales in a bid to reverse the trend. Health experts are hoping the first gonorrhea resistance action plan uh, will increase awareness of the disease. Uh, Like, they don't know. eh? which is the second most common bacterial STI they call it infection, it's called STD infection, in England. It says uh, the plan, especially call it that rather than disease, you know. It's inf- oh, you've got a little infection. You, you have nothing to do with it, you know, like catching on cold. The plan, established by the Health Protection Agency, will monitor the global problem of increasing resistance over the last 10 years. comes after 2011 data revealed up to a third of reported cases were repeat coronary infections, Over a third of cases were in in men who have sex with men, up from around a quarter in 2010. Professor Cathy Eisen, lead author of the the GRASP campaign, said, ensuring treatment-resistant gonorrhea strains do not persist and spread remains a major public health concern. And the GRASP, oh, an unfortunate name, I think it should pick something else. GRASP Action Plan raises awareness of this important issue and sets out practical, measurable actions to extend the useful life of the current recommended therapies in England and Wales. Gonorrhea is treated with a single dose of antibiotics, which are at least 95% effective, according to the NHS. That's within the first week, folks. It says, however, if left untreated, it can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease or infer- infertility and many other diseases as well. In England and Wales, the risk of gonorrhoea resistance developing in current first-line therapies has fell slightly for the first time in five years in 2011. However, cases of treatment failure have now been reported globally, with no new antimicrobial agents in the pipeline in our antibiotics. Professor Sally Davis, England's chief medical officer, recently advised government to add the threat of infection resistance to frontline antibiotics to the civil emergencies risk register. You'll find too, and there's documentaries up there on YouTube, uh, which, which were mainstream too, that some of the guys who who are having sex with men, you actually see them uh, with handfuls of all kinds of antibiotic pills, mixtures of them, taking them before they go in to have multiple sex partners. Uh, and, and this is part of the, the reason for it. I think it's part of the reason too their immune system also gets destroyed. I think so. So, uh, things go on, you know. And Frank Stronach from Canada, it's not his real name, I put his real name up on the link tonight at connecting 3 stirs up Austrian politics with a new party. Now, the guy is about 80-odd years old, but he's a guy who owns Magna International. Still does, I think. And he's gone over to Austria uh, and get himself heavily involved in politics now. He says he's glad to be returned home to Austria. And, um, He's, he's just worth God knows what. It's just amazing amount of money. He's he's he's, he's got. I'll put that tonight too like for anybody who, in Canada who wants to 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 see what's going on there. Disciplinary action over David Ward's. He's a politician, and I think uh, Jew's comment adjourned. This is in the the uh, BBC News. This is disciplinary this proceeds against Liberal Democrat member of Parliament David Ward who made controversial comments about the Jews have been adjourned by the party. The weeks following, a meeting with Nick Clegg and a cheap Whip Alistair Carmichael. I guess they must, they don't need SNM there too, cheap whip, Chief Whip. In the meeting, Mr. Ward agreed to work with Liberal Democratic Friends of Israel to identify proportionate language he could use in the future to express his views. It's all the thought police and the language police now. It's, you can't say anything at all, even when there's no offence meant. The disciplinary process will be reviewed at a future date. He was forced to apologise last month after saying on his website that he was saddened that the Jews who suffered unbelievable levels of persecution during the Holocaust could within a few years of liberation from the death camps be inflicting atrocities on Palestinians in the new state of Israel and continue to do so on a daily basis in the West Bank and Gaza. Mr. Ward initially defended his comments and said his party's response which is reprimanding him, had been regrettable, but later apologized for the unintended offense, which his words had... You see, it's all about offense. Who, who pretends they're offended now? He in, it says, um, He's insisted that neither he nor his comments were anti-Semitic. But there was subsequent controversy when a Jewish newspaper tra- uh, reported Mr. Ward had asked if it would satisfy his critics if he changed the words to read the Jewish community instead of the Jews. The party. Uh, the, <laughs> this is like communist Russia. The party began full disciplinary proceedings against the Bradford East MP following the comments. In a letter to Mr. Ward written after the meeting, Alastair Carmichael wrote, "At the meeting, you just took to work along with the Liberal Democratic friends of Israel and Simon Hughes MP to identify and agree language that would be proportionate and precise in your future in- interventions in this debate." we also hope that this would allow you to achieve a better understanding of the legitimate concerns that your comments have caused within the wider Jewish community. And it goes on and on and on. And, um, so I guess you just can't talk about certain countries anymore either and, and stuff like that. As we, as we go into more and more freedom. And also, too, in Canada, uh, there's a, it's on hate laws, Toronto, Toronto Star. It says, supporting the victim against the victimized. This is a weird case. And it says in the William Watcott case, Canada's Supreme Court decision has been reinforced protection uh, against hatred from minorities. This is an anti-gay or homosexual activist, William Watcott, was charged with promoting hate after distributing flyers in Saskatchewan, condemning homosexuality. The thing is, this guy, William Watcott, was an ex homosexual prostitute. But now he's turned to their way, you see. Anyway, it says that the Supreme Court of Canada stood tall Wednesday at really that the original decision by the Saskatchewan Human Rights Tribunal against homophobic William Watcott was in fact constitutional. I will not, I refuse the word, what they're trying to get into this using psychiatric terms. Homophobic means fear of, not dislike of, or repugnance of. I and mean, that's really what most of them really mean. This decision has more than just an impact on what court, despite rummings that the latest uh, iteration uh, of her highest court may use the what case to strike down the hate laws entirely. In fact, the exact opposite occurred. In upholding Section 14 of the Saskatchewan Human Rights Act, the Supreme Court has reinforced the country's commitment in law to ensuring that the fence of protection for minorities in the country remains solid against the winds of hatred. Says what got a gay gay prostitute turned and again they use homophobic procedure against gays and lesbians was brought before the Saskatchewan Human Rights Tribunal in 2002 for a series of hate-filled pamphlets attacking the community, the gay community. He was found to be in violation of the Act and was fined seventeen and a half thousand for disregarding the tribunal order to cease and desist. The Supreme Court trimmed back the fine from seventeen and a half thousand to seven and a half. So. It's going on and on, and it's just getting sillier and sillier uh, all the time, you know. It's, things are getting really silly, and, and, and it, it's meant to as well, and, until literally you self-police yourself. Uh, when someone asks you a question about something, you can't give them. Uh, You're going to think it could be an honest answer you want to give them, but it's nothing to do with honest answers. It's just now you have to rethink your language and who you're going to offend, or, or possibly could offend, even if you don't offend anybody by using that language, actually says that in it. It's not offending. It's, it's, it could offend someone. You know, even if there's not one complaint. So, it's a free, free you know, as I said, there's no such thing as free speech. And also, two, online parasites. it says, ISPs are ordered to block access to three file-sharing websites. Uh, it says, um... It says the Oscar-winning Argo, still in general release, was top of the downloads on F- uh, Fenopy. it says. I guess that's what the provider is. So uh, BSkyB, BT, Virgin Media and other uh, UK broadband providers have been ordered by the High Court to block access to three music and movie file sharing websites as content owners redoubled efforts to stem online piracy. So it says, Mr. Uh, Justice Arnold granted an order to 10 record labels, including EMI, Sony, Universal, I guess six UK internet service providers, requiring them to take measures to block or at least impede access by their customers to three file sharing websites. The ISPs have been given 15 working days to block access to the sites. Uh, this, is, this isn't going to stop there, folks. You understand, eventually, with all the laws again passed, and altogether, all these different laws, the ones we've been talking about, They're going to start closing down who they don't like. And I mean that. This is the whole intention of it all. It's not the stuff about Hollywood and music and so on. It's to start policing until... If you're not authorized to be out there and backed by the big boys financially to lead people, then you're out. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. In Australia, the plug has been pulled on the, the solar business, the greening solar business that gets nothing but massive handouts. This is the company Unleashed Solar has gone into voluntary administration, that means bankruptcy, a day after the Consumer business Business Services issued a public warning about it. Fault equipment, rotten work, and so on. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix and I'm talking about the craziness of the system. Is it, that's not crazy. It's crazy like a fox where it's all supposed to be going. And we know where it's all going to. But, um, it's, it's interesting in this case I was talking about too about the, from the Toronto Star about the hate laws and, uh, and uh, the sky, the sky from Saskatchewan and so on to do with the, the, the so-called homophobic, meaning a psychiatric illness if you don't like a certain thing. Uh, but it says here that um, when you scroll down, it says, In the decision, the Supreme Court went so far as to confirm that hate speech has a divisive impact on society. It also emphasized the added sway played by our digital age of social media and the Internet, exactly what Section 13 of the Federal Act addresses. The court suggests, therefore, that anti-hate laws must serve as a tool in fighting those who would knowingly vilify vulnerable groups. And then it says here, the former president of Canadian Jewish Congress... Uh, it says i guess it was he uh, was writing it. it says i was at c- at c o o oh, this is um at uh, mr um freeman i guess it was it says, uh, when we decided to intervene on this case, Mark Freeman, who represented CJC on this matter before the court explained, I think because the debate tends to focus on what groups is being maligned, we sometimes don't actually think uh, through what the implications are. That's why the court is always very careful to separate the principle from any political debate. What's involved is not a political debate. What's involved is an attack on people based on the fact that they're members of a group. It's not just stereotyping, it's demonization. So I, I don't even know why that comes into the story here, at all. But um it says Bernie M. Farber, formerly a CEO of Canadian Jewish Congress, has been recognised by the courts as an expert in hate crime. So, a self-appointed expert in hate crime. Uh, is, is now the the, 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 expert, I guess, on this kind of, uh, is expands power. You understand? So today's senior vice president with the Gemini Power Corps, working with First Nations on sustainable industries. <laughs> but, um, as I say, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, this was as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and also, to retirement. 300,000 pensioners in Britain, aged 70 and over, are still working as they are too poor to stop. And many women in their 70s are cleaning people's homes or offices. And one study relates to 193,000 men and 111,000 women, it says. And uh, it says the ballooning number of older workers highlights a social revolution in Britain With people forced to work at an age when many assume they would have stopped years ago As compiled exclusively for the Daily Mail by the Office of National Statistics Shows that 193,000 men and 111,000 women are still working at the age of 70 and over National Pensioners Convention warns the majority of ordinary working class people Who are having to take jobs because they can't make ends meet any other way Mind you, they have their fuel power. They call it fuel poverty over there, where folk freeze to death in the winters and all the rest of it because they can't afford the fuel. A spokesman added anecdotally that they're not exactly doing jobs like becoming the governor of the Bank of England. No, it's special qualifications for that. The ONS research also reveals a clear gap between the types of jobs that older men are doing compared to those that women are doing if they're still working in their sixties. For older men, the most common jobs are managers, directors, and senior officials. For women they tend to do more low skilled jobs Such as being a cleaner or a secretary There's also over there you see lots of guys Sweeping the roads and stuff You know after the garbage trucks have been Things like that So that's This is a great future you know That we're we're going into In the 70s they said that we'd we'd be happy To have a job only a few folk would have to work We'd be served by computers And machines and robots And we'd all walk about in Roman, Roman Togas and just look for Entertainment. What happened to that? Hmm? From from Seattle, Ontario, Canada, it's good night, Mayor God of your Gods, go with you.